Well, after last week's marathon flatch hat wrap, we're going to go for a slightly shorter version this week, partly because you're heading off to the UK. Yes, that's right. Yes, I leave tomorrow. I was uh, just telling somebody about the transcription service we use Mm. um, for these podcasts, Otter AI, which is really good, except it's completely incapable of getting the words flat chat rap, which (laughs) turn up every week. Oh, flat check rip. (laughs) 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 Um, Flat pack rope. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, by the time we uh, have tidied it all up, of course, it appears in the transcription. With the fabulous Rafa. Yeah, fabulous Rafa. Um, What would we do without her? Indeed. Now, today we're going to talk about what is on the New South Wales Strata Hub information website thing and what isn't. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about problems with the Design and Building Practitioners Act and we're going to briefly mention a new correspondent coming on to the Flat Chat website from Queensland, which is really exciting. Fantastic. All right. Well, we'd better get on with it. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Sue's just suggested that I should uh, have called this the flat rope check and see what Otter did with that. (laughs) Maybe they'd get it right in reverse. Anyway. Maybe it's your accent, Jimmy. Maybe that's what the AI can't understand. Well, they've got to get used to it. There must be other Scottish people, other Scottish Australians using Otter. It's really good, though. Mm. Um, Okay, the Strata Hub, the big information portal for Strata owners and residents in New South Wales, come in with a big fanfare. And a, not a little controversy about what it's got on it, but mostly about what it doesn't have on it. So, Sue, what would an, a person who is not an owner in a strata find if they went looking for information on the strata hub? Yep, they'd see the number of lots in a strata um, community. They'd see the date the strata scheme was registered. Yep. So maybe so they'd be able to know whether it was a new building or whether it was old yep. or whether it was out of warranty for yep. defects. Yep. Um, a map showing where um, the building is. And coming soon, they'll have access to the date of the last AGM yep. and also the number of stories above ground for apartment buildings and whether it's residential, commercial, or maybe a retirement or over 55's place. And if the strata scheme is part of a larger community or precinct scheme, all you know, right, like something like Jackson's Landing, where there's lots and lots of buildings all in one strata scheme. And if you're a non-resident of that strata scheme, and by the way, I uh, I did a check for our building, and it's listed as having 170 lots. So it's obviously included too. the car park. Uh, so that's totally misleading. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so there's a fix you could put in straight away, yeah. Mr. Dominello, if you're listening. <laughs> um, divide it up into apartments and car parks and storage lots or, or residential and non-residential lots so that people know, oh, I've, I've actually, I don't have 170 neighbours, I've only got 130. Yeah, or if you're in a small boutique building and, you know, it's kind of quite rich and there's four car parks to each apartment you know, that's very misleading. Well, you know, you it's, it's, I'll tell you what is misleading, where it's significant, is if you've got a building, let's say, with 90 apartments 
and 30 parking lots, that goes over the 100 limit. Is that a big building? Mm, yeah. So, you know, if it's down as 120 lots and it's actually not a big building, because there's a different set of strata laws for big buildings and and smaller buildings. So there's the first floor right away. Get the number of lots right, please. (laughs) Now, what is available to residents or owners in the building that is not available to the general public? Yep, they'll have an email address for the secretary and chairperson. And contacts for the strata manager and building manager, if there's a building manager. Um, and also things like the date of issue for the latest annual fire safety statement. Right. And uh, whether the strata scheme has formed a strata renewal committee. Well, that's for if they're going to sell the thing to the developer. And the date it was established if they did, yeah. Right. But that information would not be available to your average person who's just... Sniffing around the internet looking for a bit more information. Which is curious, isn't it, really? Because if you were thinking of buying an apartment in a building, you'd kind of look at the Strata Hub for some basic information. And you'd kind of want to know about the fire safety statement because, you know, if if a building didn't have the up-to-date um, fire safety stuff, if there, there was going to be a, a big new renewal coming mm. up, mm. you'd want to know because there might be a special levy in the offing. So I think, I mean, one, I, I know that the strata managers fought this tooth and nail to prevent the name of the strata manager coming up on the general information, the open part of the hub. I think that's so important. Just in, in extreme terms, if you're in a building and there's a building na- nearby where there's a lot of noise coming from that building and the people in the building are not paying attention to that, not doing anything about it, who do you complain to? Mm. You know, you're not, you, you can't get the, the secretary's address. You can't get the chair's address or their email address. Fair enough. That's a privacy issue, possibly. You're not going to get anywhere by putting a letter in the body corporate letterbox, mm. which is always stuffed full of pizza adverts anyway. <laughs> and so you go, well, wh- who's the strata manager? And we were trying to find out the strata manager of a big building in Willamaloo the other day. Could no trace. Mm. We were actually having to go through strata managers and say, "Are you the strata manager for this building?" It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. And the strata managers apparently don't want to be listed on the hub because they worry about other strata managers saying, "Ooh, this this is a building that we don't manage, and these are our rivals, so we're going to go in there and pitch for their business." Oh, that's crazy. Well, it's pathetic. I mean, we've. Had I mean, if case- you're not if you don't trust your own. Um, service, well, you're in the wrong business, really, aren't you? And also, we've had things in the past where neighbouring buildings have noticed cracking in other buildings, and they've wanted to get in touch with the strata manager to let them know just in case they didn't know. Because, you know, they might have a particular view of a building that people within the building don't really have. And, you know, if they're successful, they get in touch with the strata manager, the strata manager tells the EC and they can do something about it. Yeah. But otherwise, it's really hard, yeah. You know, you're leafleting people in their letterboxes and if they're not looking at what they're saying and, you know, a lot of people don't want junk mail and they might think it's just junk mail and clear it out. And a lot of them are tenants and they don't really want to get involved anyway. Sure. So it's very difficult. You kind of think there's no real, really good argument For putting a strata manager's email address on that. Yeah. Just to say, this building is managed by this strata manager. Mm. I mean, what is the problem with that? 
I mean, the strata managers say, well, we work to the, the rule, you know, the, the uh, instructions of the committee. Yeah, but they also have a responsibility mm. as public officers. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's pathetic. The other thing, I mean, this is currently, this has come up because it's being discussed on the Flat Chat Forum. Things that could be on there, I mean, that, I think the name of a strata manager available to everybody mm. should be on there. Things that could be on there, things like, do you have a pet's bylaw? Yeah, that would be really handy, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, <clears throat> That's and for new people coming in or even existing residents, yeah. um, people thinking of buying in a building, you know. So, you know, it's, all it has to say is, you know, tick a box. Do you have a restrictive pets bylaw or an open pets bylaw? Mm. I mean, everybody will have a pets bylaw now, I would think. Well, they should, I suppose, yeah. And the other thing, and this is very specific to New South Wales, is do you have a short-term letting bylaw? Mm. Do you restrict short-term letting? Yeah. And, you know, that's something that a lot of people might be looking for a building that they could move into and run short-term lets or looking for a building that they doesn't or mm. that restricts short-term lets. There's no building in New South Wales that doesn't have short-term letting because because of the way the, the law is structured. But it, some of it is quite restricted. You're mm. looking at me, you've given me a look of surprise. Mm. Uh, obviously, when me saying there is no building that doesn't have short-term letting. Well, I'm sure there are buildings in New South Wales where all of the owners have decided individually that they're never going to let their apartments out on Airbnb or stays or whatever. But the way the law stands at the moment, you can bring in a bylaw to say that we don't want short-term letting in our building in mm. Greater Sydney. Oh, I it's see. only in Greater Sydney. And it does not apply to full-time residents. So you, yes, so, so I could let out my apartment. I could get somebody to come in and have the second bedroom or something. No, if well, I'm still that. there. You can still do that. No, but also you can go away for six months and put your apartment on Airbnb. Even if there's a bylaw that says we do not want Airbnb in our, or I say Airbnb is a generic term. Yeah. We do not really? want short-term letting in our building. That does not apply to people who live in the building. So you can, and I've had this argument with New South Wales Fair Trading, who didn't understand how I could possibly have any objection to this. Mm. And I said, so somebody could spend four nights a week in their apartment and move out the weekend and, and give it over to short-term letting. I shouldn't be saying this because I'll be put, putting ideas mm. in people's mm. heads. And then say, well, look, I'm here four out of seven nights, so it's obviously my principal place of residence, so I can let it out for the other three nights. And Fair Trading said, yeah, what's your problem? Mm. And the other thing is that you could go and do your world tour that you've been planning and finance it by having people coming and living in your apartment while you're mm. gone. Yeah. That's where I'm doing. I'm off. <laughs> well, when are you off? Well, you're in, well, you're in the UK. I'm going to put the apartment on. <laughs> on. No, I'm not. Honest, I'm not. But, you know, that's a huge hole. Uh, yep. But even then, it would be good for people who are just checking out, you know, apartment blocks to go, oh, right, so this, this apartment block has a restrictive Airbnb or short-term mm. letting bylaw. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think um, that would be great to put on as well. Just as a general principle, if you are collecting information, and I'm talking to Fair Trading here and the – 
uh, what do they call customer services department of the New South Wales government. If you are collecting information for people's benefit, for the residents' benefit, for for your community's benefit, isn't it a good idea to make it available to them? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I do get the the thing about uh, chairs and secretaries not wanting to have their personal information or contact details available. Yeah, but it is pretty easy to set up a generic email address for the building, isn't it? Really, absolutely. And, and, and uh, it, someone can, you know, if people, someone can look at it every, well, every day, <laughs> or every week, or something, and just check and see if there's been any um, emails for the building. Yeah, so I think that would be pretty easy too. I mean, I actually don't like to get emails from, let's say, the secretary or the treasurer that just have the person's name as their email address. I don't want that. If I'm getting mm. an email from the committee, I want it to come from the committee. Mm. I don't want it to come from Barry or Mary or whatever, mm. because because I know immediately I can put it straight into the junk folder if it doesn't have a name on it. <laughs> ha ha ha! That was a joke. Yeah. So I think there there there's a lot of things that could be on the hub. Mm. Um, maybe the government could facilitate as an experiment allowing strata schemes to put more information on the yeah, hub sure. if they wanted to. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I, good buildings would want to put more information up there because it makes them look more attractive because they're well run and people yeah. look and see that what's going on. Really. Wouldn't it be great to go on the hub and it says, you know, we've got X number of lots and some of them are car parks and, you know, <laughs> we've got X number of floors above the ground. Well, mm. great, that's good to know. But should have something that says... Oh, and we actively pursue complaints about noise. Mm. And we have a garden regeneration program under underway, which is going to improve the look of the area around mm. the building. And mm. you go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that's the kind of thing that makes you think, well, I really want to know more about this building. Mm. And it makes you think these people have actually got their shit together. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right, um, moving on. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Design and Building Practitioners Act. That's after this. I was going to do something very cruel there and say to Sue, could you just explain the Design and Building (laughs) Practitioners Act to our listeners? This is a law that was brought in. It's part of the whole suite of law changes brought in by or for David Chandler, the New South Wales Building Commissioner. And this is basically to say what it, what it says is if you have significant work done in your building, you got to get it signed off by a qualified person. Mm. It's causing a lot of problems. Well, let's look at the problems that it's solving, first of all. It probably so, means that the work is going to be up to scratch when it's done. Or at the very least, there's somebody who's taken responsibility for it. Mm. Where, you know, if you've got, especially in a small building and somebody says, oh, we need to fix that balustrade on the stair there, and so, and somebody on the committee says, oh, my Uncle Tony is really good with balustrades. He's got drills and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they go, oh, right, that's going to be cheap and let's get it done and then it'll be fixed and it won't be a problem. And then somebody falls over. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
Um, so, you know, that's an extreme situation, but there's a lot of, I mean, David Chandler himself has said there's a lot of old buildings around that have had work done on them, and some of the work has been done to a very high professional standard, and some of it hasn't, mm. and some of the work that hasn't been done to professional standard has been done by non-professional people, so it's very difficult to go back and say, that job wasn't done properly, get that person back do in to yep. do it again, or do it right, or get someone else in. The problem is well there's two problems one is that there's a shortage of qualified people mm. and we've had complaints on the forum of, of people saying we've got this this guy he's a really good he's a qualified builder he's got all his insurances and things and he wants to do this job and we want him to do the job he doesn't have the right certification Mm. And we're going to have to find somebody who does just to come in and approve the work that he's already planning to do, which not only is a time constraint, it's an extra expense. Mm. You know, this isn't provided by the government. You've got to go and find an expert, a consultant, and pay them. And in some cases, it's it's doubling the cost of the job. Yeah. That's difficult, but is there any way around that, really? I mean, you've got to make sure the work is done properly and you've got to make sure it's certified. Maybe it's just the cost you have to wear, really. Well, there's an interesting discussion on the Flat Chat Forum at the moment about all this, and somebody got uh, a letter from some government department that's actually relevant to this saying, oh, anything under $5,000 of work is exempt. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And then they said, well, where does it say that? Where does it say this? Mm. And look, I mean, I was digging through it on the weekend and mm. I'm pretty good at tr- tracking these things down. Somebody on the website has discovered the act. So basically there's a, there's a building control act. I can't remember what it's called. You'll, you'll find it on the forum if you go and have a look that says that work, domestic work under $5,000 is exempt. All right. And that word exempt is the one you have to track all the way through the different acts and the different policies and things so that when you find something that says you don't need this for exempt work, Mm. which is kind of like, isn't that a tautology? Anyway, Mm. it's not because the word exempt defines is defined way back in another piece of the law. Oh, that's crazy. The person who drafted it then. Well, you know, it's just, it would have been nice if the person who said exempt and put in brackets, here's mm. a link to the the definition yes. of exempt. Because yes. you look at these definitions and it says a, an exempt work is work that is exempt. Kind of. <laughs> it's, sure. it's not quite as bad as that, but it's almost. Mm. I mean, I think the government doesn't really want us digging through the various acts and laws and things and making up our own interpretations of what the law is because uh, that's a dangerous thing. Actually, i, I got to tell this little story. Somebody wrote to me the other day and complained about their strata manager having given them legal advice that was inaccurate. Mm. And they took that to another lawyer and then said, and the lawyer said, yeah, that they shouldn't be giving legal advice because that's against the law and you could get find $28,000 and spend two years in in prison or whatever. And then the person said, so what's your advice on this? <laughs> and I said, I don't have any advice. <laughs> I am not, not a lawyer. lawyer yeah. I am not a lawyer. And I've actually added a thing to the bottom of the website saying, 
This is not legal advice. <laughs> if you need legal advice, talk to a lawyer, yeah. which is has mm. had been there for years and years and had dropped off at one point. So mm. it's back on. All right. Now, before we go, I think this is quite exciting news. We all, we kind of, we do deal with stuff from Queensland. It's a very different world up there. Mm. It's the body corporate thing. It's different systems. Some of it's very similar. Some of it is similar enough to make it confusing when you find the things that are not the same. So as of the next week or so, we're going to have a gentleman called Chris Irons, who used to be the body corporate commissioner in mm. Queensland. Yeah. He's a very experienced lawyer. He's a great communicator. And he has his own consultancy called Stratasolve. Mm. So you can go to them. As it, what he tries to do, he says, is to resolve issues before they happen. Mm. So that people like owners and body corporates can go to him and say, look, we've got this issue coming up and it's going to cause a huge fight. And he will sit everybody down and, and talk, tell them what the law is mm. and tell them uh, tactically how they should approach this. So we'll be hearing from Chris soon. I'm hope, hoping to get him on a podcast sometime soon. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's quite exciting because we've always kind of nibbled around the edges of Queensland and there's a lot going on there. Fantastic. That's oh. great. I mean, so many Sydney-siders are moving to Queensland now. Yeah. I, mean, I was just doing a story the other day for Domain about the numbers of people who've now moved to the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast. Really? You know, as a result, well, the move was already happening, but it's been accelerated by the pandemic. Right. And it's still continuing, even after, hopefully, most of the pandemic is gone. Well, it's because the infrastructure for working from home or yep. working remotely <clears throat> has improved like dramatically well because for years and years and years industries were resisting it because mm. they don't they think if they can't see you working then you're not working yeah and also there's a lot more jobs in the regions now as well yeah. and people just kind of have looked at their lifestyle during the pandemic and think well you know maybe i'll act now and go and live near a beach so working hmm. in your pajamas is oh, underrated yeah. I mean, we obviously, folks, we're not in our pajamas right now. Sue is in a business suit and I'm wearing my kilt. <laughs> uh, okay, thanks very much for listening. And thanks, Sue, for coming yep. along. And you're thanks, Jimmy. in the middle of packing for your big adventure overseas. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be packing an hour before I leave, I'm sure. And I, for one, we might get, get a chat with Sue once she gets to the mm. UK and, and gets a handle on what's happening in apartment living there. Um, oh, I just got the the death stare. <laughs> um, you'll certainly be hearing from me soon. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.